You're listening to episode 210 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here, and we've taken a little bit of an unplanned hiatus uh, from the podcast uh, for the last couple weeks because of the death of George Floyd, um, the Black Lives Matter revolution that's been going on, and just, I really felt this deep need to just just give not only my, myself space, but to for anyone following me on, on Instagram or Facebook, I also really wanted to give space to voices that needed to be heard from that were not mine as a white woman, especially. And these are really uncomfortable conversations that uh, we are getting into that we need to be have, having that are long, long overdue. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I have never been one to shy away from uncomfortable topics with the exception of racism. I have, if you listen to any of my episodes, I, I will often drop into conversation um, things about my, my privilege and, it, and on various, various fronts. But I don't usually go into it much farther than that. And uh, one of my, my dear friends, Christina Montalvo, is who we are speaking with today. This is a conversation. This isn't an, an interview that we're doing. Um, for anyone who's been, again, who's been following the podcast for a while, Christina and I have done multiple joint episodes together. Christina is the host of the Confidence Project podcast. And uh, the only reason why we took several months off from doing them was because I was in Bali. She was in Chicago. The time frame was just a little bit, the time difference is a little bit too tricky to work around. And when we did get a chance to talk live on the phone, we just wanted to catch up with each other. <laughs> we didn't want to have to record an episode. So what's interesting is that Christina and I have, have often talk about these types of topics related to racism and uh, privilege and, and just really tough, hard topics. And this is standard for us. And we have we've done this uh, for our entire friendship. And when we started doing joint episodes together, um, oh gosh, like a year and a half, year and a half, two years ago, we said uh, multiple times to each other that we wanted to do episodes related to racism and privilege, but we never ended up doing it because we felt, who, who are we to discuss it? Like, like two, two white women talking about racism privilege, you know, we are not the people that uh, are educated enough on this to be discussing it. We have not personally experienced racism because of the color of our skin, all of these different issues that were coming to the forefront. And that was why we never spoke up. We, we never came out with them because we thought that it was going to be perceived very poorly. And we had seen other white people in the podcasting space do a poor job at coming at these topics. And we didn't want uh, anyone to be, be harmed or be hurt by us saying the wrong things when we were only just trying to support marginalized groups, especially the black community. And <clears throat> I need to be very clear here, black lives matter. They more than matter. But uh, for, for the sake of, of addressing the movement, I need to make exceptionally clear, black lives matter. And from the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry that I have not been brave enough to go into this topic sooner on a public level. I have addressed this pub uh, privately in my private life with Christina, with other people in my life, but I have not addressed it publicly. And that is on me. That was my mistake. And that will not be the case going forward. I put a post on my Instagram uh, a week or so ago about 
the fact that enough was enough and that anyone who isn't you know, ready and willing to engage in, in anti-racism work, which doesn't have to mean we get into this more, you know, posting every single thing you can on Instagram. This anti-racism, doing anti-racism work means doing this in your own actual everyday real life. And we're going to, to discuss that more today, but I don't want to work with people. I don't want to be associated with, I, I, I don't want to be involved with people who don't also fully believe that Black Lives Matter. So I'm taking a very clear stance here because I need to make it exceptionally clear my thoughts on this. So Christina and I are going to be turning this into a bit of a mini-series. Didn't start that way. <laughs> we just recorded one and then as we were recording this, this episode that you're about to listen to, we kept coming up with more and more things that we wanted to address and then we recorded a second one and we're like, you know, we have a lot to say. So we're going to get it wrong. I also need to make that very clear. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. But if that's the price that we pay for having conversations that need to be had, I am more than willing to take that risk. And I am fully owning the fact that I am going to get it wrong sometimes. And when I get it wrong, I will learn from that. I will share that with you so that hopefully maybe you can learn from it as well. And we can continue to progress and move forward. But we have to be willing to get it wrong as opposed to ignoring the issues that are staring us in the face that should have been addressed so, so long ago because the, the racism is systemic. And if we don't face it head on, no improvements will be made and lives are at stake. And lives have been at stake for a really long time and we have been choosing to be ignorant to the greater issues at hand. So yeah, this is heavy. This is heavy. And, and no, this is not going to turn into, a, you know, an, an anti-racism podcast. Uh, I am not an anti-racism expert, neither is Christina. We are not experts in this whatsoever. You are still going to be getting all of uh, the usual content as well about podcasting, business, um, you know, online business, entrepreneurship, mental health, relationships, um, infidelity, all of those types of things. You can still expect to receive all of that here on the Room to Grow podcast, but we are also going to be opening a more regular dialogue around racism and more specifically anti-racism. Okay. So uh, I hope that you can walk away with uh, something from it as well. So let's get started. Hey, Christina. Hi, Emily. It's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> At least for an actual recorded conversation. You and I speak daily, but we haven't done a podcast in several months because I was in Bali and the time conversion was very difficult from there to Chicago and it was a whole thing. So, yes. And it's 2020. So nothing is, it, nothing is what it seems. Am I saying that right? Nothing is well, what that it too. Seems. Yeah. Like the world is upside down. It's on fire. We aren't sure what, um, yeah, the locusts are apparently even coming. <laughs> Which is, I said that jokingly. Yes. And then you sent me the actual article. That and you were like, is they're this, here. Is this a satire? I'm like, no, it's National Geographic. This is real. <laughs> I know. And everyone listening, they're not in North America. It's, it's Africa, India, and Pakistan are dealing with apparently the worst locust swarm in 70 years, and it's causing famine. And I'm like, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> I like, know. And there's nothing funny about that. Like I'm laughing purely out of, holy shit, I cannot believe that this is happening in 2020 on top of everything else. It's just, yeah, nothing funny about any of this. Coming from a very religious grandmother, she's just like eating this up. She's like, I told you the Lord was going to come. I told you the world was ending and this is the rapture. <laughs> and you know, for years I'm like, oh no, it's not happening. Every day that passes, I'm like, oh my gosh, my grandma was right. It, I think it's happening. <laughs> Well, in fairness, you know what? I, I, I'm hoping that we come out of this year, maybe even not necessarily right at the, you know, January 1st, 2021, but eventually we will look back on this year and hopefully see some of the really positive things that I am hoping come from this. Some of the, the really important lessons that we've maybe been missing. Um, but actually, since we haven't done this in a while, why don't you introduce yourself? Then I'll introduce myself and we'll dive in. How's that sound? That's perfect. Just in case we have any new <laughs> listeners since our last joint episode. That's right. right. So I'm Christina Montalvo. I'm from just outside the Chicagoland area. I own a body positive, all women strength and conditioning gym, and I'm the host of the Confidence Project podcast. 
which is the bomb, I might say. Oh, thank might you. Add. Uh, <laughs> so I'm Emily Goff. Uh, I am, oh, and I'm Canadian um, as well. So I am currently in Canada. I'm temporarily displaced in Canada. I was living in Bali. I don't know when I can get back. <laughs> it's another whole situation. Um, and I am host of the Room to Grow podcast, which is all about everything from business and uh, entrepreneurship to relationships, infidelity, uh, mindset, and all kinds of uncomfortable topics, which is why we're talking about this. I'm also a podcasting and business coach. So yes, you and I are BFFs for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and yeah, we've, we, we were doing an episode every month for a while and everyone always enjoys them. You and I love doing them. They're a blast and yeah, things have gotten in the way. And then this came up and we felt that it would be easier to talk about an uncomfortable conversation with each other, as opposed to each one of us standing on like a soapbox preaching when neither one of us are anti-racism educators. We need to make that exceptionally clear. This is two white girls talking, or at least, you know, Christine, in your case, like white passing. And um, you and I have been talking about doing an episode very similar to this around white privilege and anti-racism and all that for at least a year and a half. And we didn't because we've both had a lot of fear of saying the wrong things that would only serve to hurt the marginalized groups that we are trying to support. And that's why we've held off for so long. And it's become very clear that that maybe wasn't the right choice, but we're here now. So yeah. And to your point, Emily, you know, the, the biggest reason is, you know, how is it going to be perceived about two white women, or in my case, for anyone who doesn't know me, um, I am Mexican and Puerto Rican, but white, I I'm a white passing Latina, you know, so I consider myself white because the world treats me white, which is important. You know, how is a conversation about privilege going to be received by black women, women of color, people of color, you name it. And yeah, I mean, what a mistake that we've made. Yeah. To yeah. to we own that. To hold off, you know, for fear of being, you know, called out or, or honestly, not even fear of being called out. I think that's a, a newer fear of ours, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but um a fear of being kind of out of place. Like it's not our position to maybe do those things. And what you and I have been talking about at length. I mean, Emily was not lying when she said that her and I talk every single day. That is not an exaggeration at all. Um, and I often wish that we could record our conversations when we're not recording a podcast because we truly have been discussing, we discuss, <laughs> I think our conversations <laughs> behind closed doors are ridiculous. Like, I don't think this is, I don't think our types of conversations are the norm. I truly don't. And I, I don't think either. <laughs> partially part of the problem, like the types of things that people discuss. Um, but it's why I love our friendship so much. But, you know, again, it wasn't that we were necessarily afraid of being called out at that time. It's just like, is this even our, our job or our, are we quote unquote allowed to have this conversation? And especially because there was someone who a, a big name in the industry who has recently come under fire uh, for a lot of this, who came out with an episode. It was a while ago. I don't know exactly when, but it was at least a year ago. And it was, she's white. And it was her speaking to another white woman about white privilege and some, some ideas around racism. And the episode did not go over well. And I did not feel that it was well done. And that part of it was because it was coming from two white women who seemed to be not really doing a great job at acknowledging their own privilege mm. in an episode about privilege. And even though that's not how you and I would ever have approached it, um, not to say that you and I won't still make all kinds of mistakes on this episode and lots of others to come, I'm sure. <laughs> but that, that wasn't how you and I wanted to come across. And we were, we were being very careful to not go down that road. And we didn't want to be perceived that way because that's not the way that we want to approach it. And, you know, as you're talking, I want for all of our listeners to know that something that's been called to my attention over these past couple of weeks is that using the term white or black or brown actually makes people uncomfortable. Yes. And this is interesting because, because in the health at every size, anti-diet, intuitive eating world, 
when you first come across other women self-proclaiming themselves as fat, people take that as self-deprecating, like, oh, don't say that. And so it's really, it's not the word or the descriptor that is the problem. It's what we've learned to feel about and attach meaning to that. So I am a white woman. Emily is a white woman. The world treats us as if we are white. We are not, um, in fact, when people are like, why do you have to say that? Like that contributes to the, to the racism and that contributes to the issues. No, it does not. And these are words and terms that all of us, in my opinion, have to be comfortable with using because there's nothing wrong with them. They are not um, self-deprecating. They are not racial slurs. And they are not contributing to the, I don't even know how to pronounce this word, divisiveness, divisiveness, like the divide. Um, it is not contributing to the divide that, that we are at hand with right now, all of us, the entire world. Um, so again, I think it's just kind of important to, to, to say that. Um, and something that has been important to me is to not overly generalize. So women of color, people of color is incredibly general. When we're talking about everything that has come to fruition over these past couple of weeks, it is the black community that is experiencing these things specifically which is very, very important to not continue to water down their history, their experience, their truth, and their reality by lumping them in with people or women of color. They are Black women. It is Black lives that matter. It is the Black communities and the Black people um, that are going through this trauma and experiencing this. Um, and whatever, you, whatever else you want to call it, um, it's the Black communities that are experiencing this. So I think that's really important to say. I, I'm really happy you brought that up because <clears throat> I have I I have been part of of the the group whatever you want to call it who always considered the term African American to be the more politically correct. So I thought that that was more polite. Now in Canada, that also would throw me off sometimes because then I I would be like, wait, am I saying African American and it's like African North American? Because if somebody's in Canada, they're African Canadian, but no one says African Canadian. But what I want to, to stress here the most is that that has really come to my attention as well, that um, it isn't impolite to say black and the black community, to address the black community, because not everyone is African either, or not everyone identifies as African. So you need to refer to people as the, the black community. And we also need to stress that the black community is not a monolith. So there are people within the black community who may prefer to be called African-American or African-Canadian or whatever else they, they wish to be called. And that is entirely their choice and you need to respect their wishes. But you cannot take, just like you wouldn't for, for anyone white or anyone else of a different color, you would not take one person's word as this is applicable across an entire species. That's not how this works. And I think that a lot of times it's very easy to fall into the, the trap of believing, okay, well, if, if one black woman said this, then that must be true for every black woman out there. That is not the case. And you need to treat people with, with respect, just like you would with anyone else in your life, to ask their opinion, ask them what they need, ask them how you can support them as an individual, not necessarily just them as in taking one person's word for an entire community. But when it comes to something like Black Lives Matter, with the the protests and, and all of those different types of things that you can do to support that movement, yes, that is a little bit more defined, that there are all kinds of, of really clear ways you can support the Black Lives Matter revolution that is happening and is very long overdue to be happening like embarrassingly so 400 years overdue so this is where we're at right now and i think christina what there are a lot of different directions that will probably take this we're even thinking about maybe turning this into a bit of a mini series but one of the things that has kind of come up in the last couple of weeks in the online space especially has been people from the same side so white white people basically who have um, come forward and taken a stance that yes, Black Lives Matter, and, and this is what I stand for, and all those things, amazing. And now there's all there's been all this infighting happening from within the same side, and it's like a pissing contest about 
who Black Lives Matter matters more to. Like, <laughs> and who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. And, and you're not doing this right. And, and there's this, this call out, calling out culture that's happening. And everyone is starting to attack each other when really that just continues to center the problem around white people, which is part of the bigger issue. We have to be addressing the Black Lives Matter side of things. This is not about the white side of this. This is about how can all of us come together to support Black Lives Matter, which also likely leads us into, we should probably offer an explanation as to why the All Lives Matter does not apply right now. I don't know if you want to take that one or not. Oh God, yeah, I do want to take that. Um <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> um, you know, and there's something, there's something that I, I don't, Emily, I, I'm going to assume that you agree with me, but feel free to correct me. I'm not interested in trying to convince someone of anything. I'm here to explain. Agreed. And that's something that is really important for me to check myself on across everything that I do. But I think it's also important for, um, well, and you agree. So I'm great that, that I'm not just speaking for <laughs> myself. On the same page, girl. <laughs> but we're just here to explain stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not here to convince you of anything otherwise. And that's, again, an important distinction. And I think we said this, but I want to say this again. Um, Emily and I are not anti-racist educators. We are not the experts in this field. We are simply recording a, an, a, a conversation. This is a conversation. And I, it is my hope, and I know that it's your hope, Emily, also, that these are the types of conversations that you are fostering offline in your real life with people. Um, so with that being said, Black Lives Matter. Goodness. <laughs> Shall we use an example that I've seen on the internet? Sure. I think that's great. Um, when you say all lives matter in response to Black Lives Matter, this can be assimilated to someone's house is on fire on your block and you leave your unburning, completely safe, totally not on fire home and run over to the fire department and say, doesn't my house matter? Your house is not currently on fire. Okay. I don't know where. So like, I think it's like third grade, maybe second grade. We start to, to learn about like critical thinking skills, like all these things. Right. But then also at the same time, we learn about like, how do we use inference? Like what's being inferred here? And that's been, that's been taken a little bit too far, okay? Meaning somewhere along the way, people have been interpreting Black Lives Matter as Black lives are the only lives that matter. No one said that. That's not what anyone is saying. That's not the point. That's not the movement. That is not the argument. They are the community, the population, and the people that have been oppressed for 400 plus years. And all lives cannot matter until Black lives matter. The other thing that I saw on the internet, which can be a slippery slope, by the way, <laughs> is all lives matter is the bare minimum. Like mattering is the minimum. And people are pissed off that Black lives could even matter. Like mattering is ground zero, zero. I wish you guys could see my face right now. Emily can see it. I'm like foaming at the mouth. Seriously. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And rightfully so, because honestly, I, I get so worked up about this because I'm sweating. People, <laughs> people being like black lives matter. And then fighting about that. I'm like, really? So you're not okay with them even mattering? Not at the top of the food chain. That's not even what we're saying. Just mattering. Like life does their lives do not matter to you. Really? What? I, 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 I don't even know how to respond to that when people make that argument. But where are they getting this notion that if we say and proclaim and support and stand behind Black Lives Matter, that none other, like no other life matters? What is, how did we get there? And I, honestly, if I had the answer to that question, maybe, maybe we all could just unpack white supremacy and racism tomorrow and be done with it. But unfortunately, that's, that's not where we're at. <laughs> Yes. I, I wish I had a good answer for that. <laughs> and, you know, you said something about, you know, how all this fighting on the same side of the line, I've been calling it, uh, as you know, I'm like, cause I've been saying this to you nonstop for what feels like forever, but probably just a week now, like on the right side of history. 
And I am going to be so bold as to say that this is the right side of history, like being on and fully supporting and standing behind and understanding Black Lives Matter, what that means, what that looks like. Um, offline also, by the way, not just online. I'm going to be so bold as to call that the right side of history. I think it's also worth stating that my therapist and I have been working on my like dog with a bone tendencies that like not everything needs to be right and wrong. Like not everything is just like right or wrong or yes and no. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is far as I'm concerned. <laughs> this is the right side. This is the right side of history. But it's been interesting and very uh, maddening to see people on the right side of history continuing to fight about, I don't even, I'm not even exactly sure what we're fighting about. It's like, aren't we on the same side? Well, and, and you and I were talking before we jumped on about how it's turned into like couch activism mm. where, and, and, and being activists with your thumbs to, depending on what you post on Instagram is how you're graded as a human being in this fight and i'm like anyone can post anything on instagram and not mean it 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 can't come down to this culture that we have created and and you and i have both always stood strongly up against this that if it doesn't get posted on the gram it didn't happen fuck that shit fuck that shit like you and i have been and I'm not, and I'm not like putting us above anyone else. This is, this is purely just as an example standpoint that you and I have been reading books and doing our own research and having conversations, not only with each other, but educating the other people in our lives, in each of our lives and having really tough conversations with many people around this topic for a long time, like at least a couple of years. And just because we didn't talk about it on Instagram doesn't mean it didn't happen. Should we have been talking about it on Instagram? That's a different conversation. That yes, we should have been speaking out more openly about it. And it was a mistake not to. And I fully acknowledge and take responsibility for that. But this whole idea that if you aren't posting 15 times a day to your stories with some sort of um, activism related, it's not a tweet. I don't know what you call it. Some, a photo, whatever. <laughs> on Instagram that you don't stand for Black Lives Matter. Yes, you need to make your stand extremely clear. And Instagram is a really great tool to use, to utilize, but that can't be it. You can't then put your phone down and then be done with anti-racism. That's not how this works. And I think that people are going to, I, I said this about the pandemic and I'm going to say this again about the Black Lives Matter movement, that there is a separation of the herd. Obviously, these are two very different things that I'm talking about, just purely for, again, for example's sake. There, there's a separation of the herd happening where you'll see a lot of people jump on this so-called bandwagon. Right now, it's not a bandwagon, but there are people who will treat it as such. And they'll post, 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 post. It'll be a whole big thing. And then they're going to go silent. Or they will stop talking about it. Or they will only ever post to Instagram and you'll kind of find out later that they aren't actually walking their walk or doing anything about it in real life. And that is where the separation is going to happen. And I think that there's so much bullshit on social media. We've known this for a long time. This is not new either. There's so many smoke and mirrors that it's this year above all else is really showing me that the people who are genuine and who walk their walk, and who actually really mean what they say, slowly those people are rising to the top because it's becoming more and more obvious who is just fucking around and saying what they think they have to say and who is actually saying what they really deeply feel and are actually actively working on or working towards. And that, if, if that's the only positive that comes out of 2020, I call that a win. Truly. Like that is a win. If we can get rid of some of the fucking bullshit on social media to start really seeing the people who are truly genuine and really mean what they say and, and to do, you know, actually act out and in real life, what they, they say that they're going to do. That's a good sign in my mind. 
there was, I wish I knew who said this, and this is just how unrehearsed I am all the time, but someone said on Instagram, something to the effect of, maybe you know who this was, Emily, but, um, like some of you did a cost benefit analysis and figured it was too risky to post anything about black lives matter. I actually want to counter that and say, yes. And some people did a cost, um, analysis about what they would lose if they didn't, which all comes back to this performance of like, oh, wait, no one call me out. Don't, don't, you know, um, divest from me as a business owner or coach or whatever. And those people have already shown that they're back to business as usual. Um, and I've got to tell you, for someone, and this is again what you and I were talking about before we even hit record. Um, I'm not a very, I'm not curated at all. Like if I'm, you know, I'm not super polished and it feels right now at the time that, that we're recording this, it does feel really gross to just be like, and here's my day, like in the middle of this. So I know that this is a little bit a counterpoint to what you were saying. You're exactly right. We, our activism does not be does not end on social media and what we post on social media, 100%. And I, to back up your point, you have to make your stance perfectly clear. I do want to say, though, what I find incredibly concerning is anyone who might be taking that thought and then using it to their advantage of like, well, my activism doesn't need to exist on Instagram, but like, here's, the, here's another photo of my flower bed and my baked bread. Like, I'm sorry. No, mm -mm, no, you take those, you take your stupid peonies that you're planting outside and you shove them up your white ass. I can't, I can't. Oh, then, I'm, like those in addition to still talking about some of the bigger issues. I'm talking about standalone. Like, okay. Okay. We're not addressing any, we haven't addressed anything at all. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a different story because the thing is we still have to live our lives and we can't. Correct. And I actually just took like three full days off of social media because I was like, if I continue to scroll Instagram for 10 hours a day, my brain will light on fire and I cannot show up as a human for myself. I can't show up as an entrepreneur and I can't help anyone else, regardless of what color you are, if I don't cut myself off for a little bit of a break. <laughs> Can I say something that's really funny? Yes. So Emily and I both took some time off Instagram. <laughs> I don't even know what you're about to say. And I was like, oh my God, Emily, I have so much time to text you now that I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> it's true. You did say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was spending hours. I can't even tell you. It was atrocious. Yeah. But yeah. then I, I actually was also, again, I don't want anyone to, to mistake this as like, I'm comparing one to the other um, directly. It's just purely, for example, standpoint, when the pandemic first happened and everything shut down and the world went to shit, like practically overnight with everything, I spent basically a full week on my phone. and. So last week when that happened and I was noticing myself getting sucked into that, I'm like, you know, maybe this is just part of the process and that it was also really, again, even though I, you know, like you and I have been having these discussions for, for a long time, it was very eye-opening to see how things were transpiring and how people were reacting to it. And it was really fascinating to, to watch, um, from both positive and negative standpoints. I think for me, and I don't mean to keep like bringing up my therapist, um, but it's relevant. Something that I've learned about myself, um, over the past year or so is my, um, this innate drive that I have for survival, which requires me categorizing things and people as safe or unsafe. And I know that that may sound dramatic, but there, that, that, that's like a whole like birth adoption story thing, whatever. <clears throat> but a lot of this does feel very um, primal for me, not because, uh, and again, soaking in white privilege. It's, this whole thing is very personal for me because everything that I do, and this is what I've been telling to my members and my clients, everything that I do um, is an extension of my home. Therefore, when you are, whether you're invited or 
I invite you, you invite yourself like to my Instagram, to my stories, to my podcast, to my gym, to my online programs. We are in a safe space together, but that has to work both ways. So you might feel safe in my program because I look white, but would I actually feel safe with you in my physical home? Knowing that you would maybe speak differently to my parents, speak differently to my sister, um, treat my black and brown entirely entirely black and brown family differently because of what they look like. If the answer is no, is it because they're in my home or would you treat them differently out in the world? Like, are you no longer a safe space for the people in my family? So a lot of this obsession with Instagram was literally my brain from a very primal place trying to figure out who was safe and unsafe. Um, not even for myself because I'm dripping in white privilege. No one is, no one is unsafe to me. No one is a, a threat to me. And imagine that not being the case for you because of the color of your skin. So, and I always say this, <clears throat> what you allow in your presence is your standard. So it was a lot of that too. It was a lot of that too. What am I going to tolerate? Um, and I got to tell you, um, I don't tolerate much this mm -mm, is, there's no wiggle room. I don't, there is no conversation to be had. Nothing. I, I have nothing um, when it comes to, to racism, prejudice, um, stereotyping. I've got, I'll have none of it. Yeah. And, and I feel the same way. And, and I put up that post and I meant every word like it, that if, someone doesn't believe that black lives matter don't buy my shit yep because i want nothing to do with you i don't want you in my facebook groups mm -hmm. i don't i don't want anything to do with you because i want to create nothing but a safe space for anyone of any color and i don't want anything to do with someone who can't get on board with that like absolutely not absolutely not and i and i meant that because that's the thing. You also have to put your money where your mouth is. And people who say that they are fully invested in this work, but then will still associate with people who openly speak otherwise, I can't trust them either. And I was having, I've had this conversation a couple times now with um, a few different podcasting and business coaching clients where I'm like, I've, I've always talked really heavily about, you know, before you go on somebody's podcast, before you associate with them, before you uh, do, do anything like accept an ad from them for your podcast, anything like that, like how thoroughly you need to vet people. I'm like that vetting process just got a lot more intense. And yep. I said to them, I'm actually going to put together something and I'm still figuring this out for myself, but I, I'm going to be having to put more together for myself and for clients about how to thoroughly vet people, brands, companies, whatever businesses, entrepreneurs for this specifically, like, where do you stand on the anti-racism side of things? And I am not prepared to work with anyone in any capacity who does not believe that black lives matter. You know, <clears throat> something that I was saying last week was uh, more so on like Instagram stories, which should probably be turned into something else so that it can live on is like, oh, this was right around blackout Tuesday. Right. So that was kind of a trend. Right. So all these people like, wait a minute, you know, no, I swear to God, I swear to God, I'm not racist. It felt really nice for a while because it did feel like this huge collective act of solidarity, but also made it glaringly obvious who wasn't even, and I've got people in mind. And if you're listening to this, I'm probably thinking of you. So I'm not <laughs> ignorant. I'm, I paid real good attention last week, let me tell you. So on the one hand, it felt like this really lovely collective act of solidarity. And then again, also you've got literally almost every single person that I follow you know, on Instagram did this black square. We'll get back to there in a second. So it really kind of separated the people that were like, oh, I'm not even going to do this. Right. However, then like this performative thing, then it kind of like went away. Like, oh, the trend is over. We're just going to like, we're done here, which 
what I've been saying, like I said, since last Tuesday was like, what are you willing to lose because of this? And I have to tell you that some of my clients are just such amazing people because they, you know, were reaching out to me saying like, I, when you said, when you say that you're willing to lose stuff over this, like, I believe you. And part of that's my personality too. Um, as a fellow, Emily and I are both Enneagram eights. So like, I will just be very blunt and very aggressive in how I say things, but, um, I'm willing to lose and it's still prepared by the way. Like this is, we're not like out of the woods yet in terms of like, like you said, people vote with their dollars, put your money where your mouth is. I, I don't want to help anyone in any capacity if they're not committed to this work. And I think the problem is, and again, you and I said this before we hit record. Um, I think some people didn't, didn't post those black squares because they were afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations. What's my, what are my in-laws going to think? What are my clients going to think? What are my parents going to think? Like we never had to have this conversation and, you know, maybe I have like super racist parents or super racist people in my circle or whatever. But again, I think going back to it, not being your performance and going back to, like you said, Emily, like, what are we doing offline? I think we have to be prepared and willing to lose stuff, money, friends, family. Um, and a great way to think about this, and this is what I explained to my parents, when I read them the things that I was publishing to my groups and my members, my parents were like, uh, Christina, you're going to like lose your business. And I said, one day, I may have children and grandchildren and they're going to read about this shit in a textbook and they're going to ask me what I did. And I want them to be proud of what I did. Have you, have you seen anything, Emily, about, you know, people saying like, some of you were wondering how you would have behaved in the 1950s. Here you go. Yep. I've seen those like memes and stuff floating around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like, and again, not to come at it from a performative perspective, but to come at it from the perspective of what's fucking right. And I'm sorry, this, you know, I, I, I often talk about how I, you and I differ a little bit on this because you see things in very black and white terms and I tend to see a lot of gray and I, you and I will have actually super interesting conversations because of that, because you'll take like a really clear stance and I'm like, and I'll play devil's advocate. And I'm like, okay, but what about this, 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 and this? And, but there are also certain things, especially when it comes to injustices that I am very clear on. And this is one of them. There is no maybes, ifs, uh, in this situation. No, no, this, this is the right side of history. I completely agree with what you said earlier. There is no getting around it. And if you aren't on board yet, you need to go fucking educate yourself and figure out why you are on the wrong side to get yourself onto the good side the good, yes. the right, whatever. Yeah. Because Both the good yeah. side, the right side. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there is, there's so much more to say about this. Like I know that, that we, we're definitely gonna have to turn this into a mini series because we have a lot more to say. Is there anything else that you want to, to make sure to mention in this episode? Just really quick. I think if there's, if anyone made it this long, that's like, I'm on the right side of history, but like, they're not <clears throat> maybe just a little bit, some closing remarks about um, like that, you know, people that are like, that run around saying like, I'm not racist. Therefore I do not need to do this work. I do not need to look into these resources or whatever. What are some of your thoughts on that? This work is fucking humbling and you need to check your goddamn ego at the door because you will not survive doing this work and you will be nothing but defensive all the time if you aren't willing to check your ego at the door. Something that I do want to mention, I started following a bunch of new accounts last week, as I think a lot of us did, simply because there were a lot of uh, women of of color, of, of the black community in particular, who were coming to light and being shared that I had never come across before. It was my, you know, it's largely on me that I hadn't come across them before because I hadn't actively gone to seek them out. So I'm, I'm not like putting that on anyone else. But one of the things that I found was that 
I think I might've told you there, there was one morning last week where I just, I felt so heavy that I woke up and I laid in bed for a good 30 to 60 minutes thinking about what a terrible person I am. And that was when I was like, okay, I need to take a little break off social media because again, I, I can't, I can't do this work. I can't show up for anyone if I'm coming at it from that place. So yes, you need to check your ego at the door. Yes. You're going to be humbled. Yes. You are going to say things wrong. I'm sure that, that Christina and I have both said multiple things wrong in this conversation alone. And that we probably will get called out for it. What the difference is, is that what I've been talking to people about and what I've been, what you and I have been discussing, Christina, and what um, I've been telling myself is that if you go into these types of conversations, knowing how necessary this work is for the survival of other human beings, who gives a fuck if you get embarrassed or you, you do get called out? And you know what? If you do get called out, don't make the mistake that so many of these specifically white coaches at the top of their industry on Instagram have been making, which is to immediately put their guard up to be defensive. And it makes them look like assholes because they're being assholes. If you get called out, allow it to humble you. And if you expect to get called out, it's going to be a lot easier when it happens to actually use it as a learning experience, as opposed to getting defensive and then being a complete jerk about it. So stop that, expect to get it wrong, expect to get called out. And suddenly things might actually feel just a tiny bit easier for you to be able to have these types of really uncomfortable conversations. Yes. Should we maybe link below in our show notes to some resources and just like use this as a call to action that there will be definitely there. And I also need to make clear that the resources will not be affiliate linked. Mm, That is another mistake that I I, I was appalled that there was a a white coach who was basically profiting off of this movement by linking children's books. Like I I can't. I I know that's almost like a kind like, I feel like, because this is, I'm not going to file this and this is for the record. This will just be like a normal episode, not a business episode. Maybe we should record a business episode about some of the etiquette because like, I think, I think a lot will. of my listeners listening to this are like, what the hell is an affiliate link? Or like, what does that That's matter? a great point. That's a great um, point. Yeah. But, so we will, we'll get into that and in, as like a more business specific episode, yeah. but to be clear, we'll list some resources, some books, some, some podcasts. I found some incredible podcasts in the yeah, last couple of weeks same. that are awesome. Yeah. Um, some really good articles. I'm sure we can link awesome also. articles. Yeah. yeah. So in some Instagram accounts too, of yeah. some educators and stuff, people who are actual anti-racism educators, which is not me or Christina. Yes. Right. Right. And what about you? Any what final thoughts? Me? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what about me? Um, you know, I think just to tie this up here in terms of the discomfort that we feel when we're called out, what helps me check myself is that this is the discomfort that black women and women of color have to feel every single day. They do not get a choice. They do not get to censor themselves in real life as they are existing in a black and a brown body so as to avoid discomfort. Um, It is very common, and I know this from experience, um, again, being raised by um, a Puerto Rican dad and a Mexican mom, um, we are taught that you know, if you want to be taken seriously as a Latina woman, you have to be calm and quiet or you will be written off as like a crazy Latina. No one's going to take you seriously. Um, I don't know if when my parents were teaching me that, if they knew that I was going to, um, I looked very Hispanic as a child. This is very interesting for some reason. And now I just look white, like I look Italian, you know? Um, but that is something that black women are also taught. Make yourself more palatable so as to be more easily digested by people in the world. You don't want to make anyone else uncomfortable. So we, and I'll group myself into that, although it's not really fair. So again, black women, brown women, women of color are taught um, that their duty is to go out into the world and um, not make anybody else uncomfortable. And so the least thing that you can do when you are dripping in privilege, like I am, like Emily is, simply because we are white, okay, you can handle the short-term discomfort of being called out or called in, as some people are are calling it now, which I think is really beautiful, being called in instead of called out. You can handle it. 
there, that is why there is an entire book called white fragility, because you think that you can't handle it. You can. So I always put myself when I'm like, Ooh, am I going to get called out? Whatever. I kind of check myself a little bit and think about the discomfort that, that so many black and brown folks experience no matter what. You know what? That goes for, for any sort of racially marginalized because Asians probably feel that way. Um, true. I mean, truly, it doesn't matter, right? You can handle it. We can handle it. You can do hard things. Like I was just going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it's time. It's time for us white folks to be uncomfortable. Like, it's, it's time. It's over time. Yeah. Yes. It's been time. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. So I think that's a great note to I agree. finish up on. And uh, yeah, you can expect more of these from me and Christina uh, because we have a lot to say. We have <laughs> uh, years worth of conversations between the two of us and with other people in our lives that we should have been talking about more publicly a long time yeah. ago. And uh, now we, we will be going forward and we yes. will get it wrong sometimes. 100%. And it's fine because we'll, we'll use those as learning opportunities and hopefully we can pass along some of those opportunities to other people as well. Yeah. This was great. I'm looking forward awesome. to our next one. Yes. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I'm so grateful you took the time and it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me on Instagram over at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with brand new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.